message I prepared in 06, 06. I have preached this message on Bonita Beach. I have uh, preached this message at three or four funerals uh, also. This message just keeps coming back up in my mind. Ever so often, I just need to do it again. It's not going to be exactly the same as, maybe you've heard it before, it won't be exactly the same as you heard before, but it'll help you, I believe, as much as it did the first time you heard it. Because this is one of the messages that you and I as a born-again believer need to be reminded of. Man, we need to be reminded of this thing. Um, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 23, I'll just read two verses, 23 and 24, that's our text. You can go all the way to the end there. If you're not familiar with Proverbs chapter 1, verse 23 to the end of the chapter, later on, read that. What a powerful, powerful passage that is. But I just want to take a couple verses on it. It says, Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Now, I don't know a better promise than that. But you have to be willing to turn to God. It cannot be your way. You're not going to meet God on your terms. You're going to meet God on his terms. But if you turn at his reproof, now reproof is a negative, right, because you don't like to be told you're wrong. But God will tell you this is where you're in error and this is where you need to correct yourself. And when you're willing to repent of, that, of those errors that you've been shown by the Holy Spirit and follow God, be all in, he says, I'm going to do some phenomenal stuff with you. I'm going to pour out my spirit unto you. I'm going to let you know who I am. I am going to not only do that, I'm going to show you the meaning of the ages, the secrets and mysteries of the ages and of this world and the universe. I'm going to let you know my word. Because, and it says in verse 24, because I have called and you refuse, and that's that group that says no, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. And I'm not going to go further, but you can go further than that. But what I wanted to show was he calls on those who say yes, and he calls on those who say no. But God calls on both groups. In Romans 10, 21, it says, But to Israel he saith, All day long have I stretched out forth my have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Amazing God's patience is amazing with us. That he will, in spite of us saying no, 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 he keeps stretching his hand out and he keeps touching us and keeps bumping us. And then one day we said, yes, and he saved us. I, I, but you got saved later in life. Some other people in life, you got saved later in life. Uh, people got saved later in life. God stretched his hand out to you. And you, you got, but he had patience with you, didn't he? Amen. We can never be grateful for that. God loves you. I don't know if you're able to get your mind around that because I think God has to help you understand what that means. I just think it's too big because that can be cheap. Words can be cheap, but God really loves you. And any person that ever goes to a place called hell, which was made for the devil and his angels, will have to go over the four obstacles that I'm going to bring up to you this morning. I don't want you to turn to this, but I want to I'll read these and quote, and quote and read, maybe mix both together. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us who are not willing, 
that any should perish. Now, I preach a sermon when God doesn't get his way. God could have commanded everybody to be saved as robots, but God wanted you to choose with a free will, having a real environment of choice. And he says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 1 Timothy 4.10 says, For therefore we labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God. Now listen to this. Who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe? I mean, whether people refuse it or not, Jesus paid the price to save them. They may say, well, I don't want it, but he paid the price to save them. His blood was enough to save everybody that ever took a breath if they would repent and trust him as their Savior. First John chapter 2, verse 2 says, He is the propitiation. That's a big word, means to cover for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I think that puts a nail in it. He has given, the Father has given His only begotten Son to satisfy our debt of sin. Romans chapter 5 and verses 6 through 9 say it this way, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yea, preadventure for a good man would even some dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You can put your you in there if you want to. Put your name in there. Much more than, much more than. Because of that, being now justified by his blood, and I want to get excited about that a little bit, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Whoa! I do not face as a born-again believer a horrible future. I face a future that is going to get brighter and brighter with time. It's not going to get darker and darker. But the poor unsaved person, he faces a future that's going to get darker and darker and harder and harder. You've seen how sin takes its toll on people. Their bodies begin to suffer the horror of sin. Smoking for 40 years, you've seen what happens. Drinking for 40, 50 years, you've seen what happens. Living, carousing, immoral life, uh, you've seen what happens. It destroys you. But look at Christians that live for Jesus. Oh, they die. Amen? Doc, Doc sees it all the time. But brother and sister in Christ, they die with a light in their eye. I've been at the bedside of a few people that died. I was thinking of Joe Pickering. His name just came to me, Joe Pickering. And old Joe Pickering, he, was a, he loved Jesus, and he had a bad heart. I don't know what was wrong with him. He never told me, but I went to ICU. You know, they let me in anywhere. It's crazy. They let me in ICU. I go in there. I said, Joe, the nurse, I, back then before you signed a privacy thing, I could ask the nurse, and they'd tell me anything about you. I liked it back then. So I went to the head nurse. I said, how's Joe Pickering? She said, he'll be dead in two, three days. They don't do that now, brother. 
And I'll say, breathe a word now. I said, wow. She said, his heart's horrible. He's going to die. Well, I went into the bed. He looked good. He looked better than some of you. I'm serious about that. Some of you look poorly today. <laughs> you, ought, you ought to be up here. Look at this. But I mean, I said, Joe, what's it feel like to be close to heaven? <laughs> Evidently, he knew the same thing I knew, right? He said, Brother Bill, it's good. Brother, if you live for Jesus, you'll die well one way or another because our future gets brighter and brighter. But Why? Because we've been saved from the wrath to come. Amen. I like 2 Corinthians 5.21, for it says, He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus was sinless, Son of God, that gave himself for you, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. There was, a, there was an exchange. He, he took my sin, I took his righteousness. Woo! What an exchange that was. Amen. The provision... For your eternal salvation, restoration, God has made. It's a done deal. It's a done deal this morning. There's no other sacrifice necessary, no other religious duty necessary, no other payment can be made. When Jesus said, it was finished, teletestai, that's the Greek, I believe he spoke teletestai, it is finished. It was done. It's a finished contract, a sealed deal. It's over. God's done his part this morning. He's paid for your sin this morning. He's furnished what was required to, to cause you to be to, uh, allowed to, be go, to go free. And will you have you accepted it as a question? But brother and sister, if you deny it and turn away from it, you're going to have to go over four major obstacles. Because now God calls on sinners to come to him in repentance and faith and receive the finished work of Christ. The number one call of God is the inward call. That is, what is the inward call? It's our God consciousness. It is the empty spot that you have, or the void that you have, or if I may say, the hole that's in the shape of God, that's in your heart, that only He can fill. Okay? It's the inward call. Money, fame, long life, possessions, beauty, nothing can fill that spot, that spot that God's placed in you. I have an ideal family. Go ahead. Have successful kids. How about this? Have a kind wife. That'd be good. I mean, I got one. Have, have fabulous friends. I've got them. And, and, it, and that hole is still there. And... and, and ever-searching question it raises up in your mind. Isn't there more? Isn't life bigger than this? Is, there, is this, as the song said, is this all there is, my friend? Is this all there is? You know, my dad got saved because of that inward call. My dad got saved. He was 33 years old. He never went to church. Nobody ever witnessed to him about Christ. He, he never went to church. Nobody was a heathen, heathen. He went to World War II, Saipan, Tinian, and Okinawa, never got a scratch, came back from World War II, uh, worked, got, had three beautiful boys, successful family, fabulous wife, 
Elkhart, Indiana, and yet he sat in a chair and he said, there's just something missing in my life. Yeah, that's that hole. I feel hollow. I feel empty. He said, there has to be something more. He dressed us three boys, went to church down the road, a little fundamental church down the road, and a handful of people, and he got born from above. Glory to God. And that hole was filled. That inward call, I believe, is in every human being. No matter race, color, creed, nation, doesn't make any difference. No one escapes the in inward call. Nobody. It, it can, it, by the way, let me mention this. It can be hardened. It can be ignored. It can be rejected. It can be reeducated. It can be lied to, but it will come back in an emergency. It will come back in the night. It will come back in a near-death experience. Job said it this way, So I am made to possess months of vanity and wearisome nights are appointed to me. When I lie down, I say, When shall I rise and the night be gone? And I am full of tossings to and fro under the dawning of the day. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and spent without hope. Day, uh, Job knew the restlessness that has been placed in each of us. You know, when you're tossing to and fro, I have a name for that. I call that surfing the sheets. I've hung ten on the sheets by surfing the sheets, left and right, left and right. Can't sleep. Mind working. Paul's word, he put it this way, Ephesians 2.12. He said that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and from strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. Romans chapter 1 puts it this way, verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. Now, it's not talking about the outside witness. We're not there yet. The inward witness, the inward call of God. It's manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, made, by the way, not evolved, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, which show the work of God, work of, of, of the law written on their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness in their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or excusing one another. Wow. I don't know how it could be worded clear. Basically, God says, I'm coming to you. You're not going to be able to stop me because I love you. And I want you, I do not want you to answer for your sin. I want you to take the free gift of eternal life. I want you to be with me in heaven. I want to be your neighbor. I want to have you forgiven from all your trespasses and all your sins and all your iniquities and allow them to be laid upon my son, Jesus Christ. And I love you. Come to me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Why doesn't everybody say yes to that? God's inward call to him has inspired thousands of religious efforts found in archaeology, thousands of pyramids in Peru, hundreds of temples in Rome and Greece and Turkey. The inward call, the inward voice keeps telling us to seek God, seek Him, seek Him, seek Him now. It's a 
general call. It by itself, you cannot be saved. But it will cause you to begin to seek God. There's a second call, and it's the outward call of God to the lost. Jesus' death and resurrection for the sinner will do him absolutely no good unless he hears it. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth, right? Um, the, the gospel's wonderful, but if it doesn't get to the sinner, the gospel does absolutely no good to those who do not hear it. You want to know why here at Gospel we throw so much money and so much human effort into getting gospel tracts out and getting the written word and the, and the spoken word and the video word and the internet word and any way we can get the word of God out and about, we'll do it. I believe now we've passed out over 3 million gospel tracts in the last few years. You almost just can't buy a piece of clothing in our county or a southern part of our county without a gospel track. The gospel in track form, the gospel in spoken form, the gospel in visual form, somehow we want to get it to the lost before it's too late. That's why the Bible says, by the way, the Great Commission is a great commandment. It's not a great, well, it's not optional. It's the Great Commission. Go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's a commandment. You're born again. He doesn't ask you whether you got talent. He doesn't ask you whether you stutter. He doesn't ask you whether you have a good memory. He doesn't ask you whether you're naturally shy. He, all those excuses I've heard, I've heard them all. You know, I'm naturally shy. I'm not real smart. I begin to stutter when, I, when people talk to me. I don't know how to answer. I don't know the Bible. He doesn't ask you. He says, go into the world and preach the gospel. Tell them Jesus saves, Jesus saves. If you got to stutter it, say Jesus saves. Give them a gospel track. Show them, show them in the Bible. Tell them how you got saved. You know, I always say about witnessing, when you run out of words to say, just tell them how you got saved. You don't have to, I hope you don't have to think about that too much. I can tell you how I got saved. This is how I got saved, how I came to know Christ. How I, come to know Christ. I like 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the Buckleys now? Remember Buckley? Where is the Buckleys now? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom... It knew not God. Evolution tells people there's no God. By their wisdom, they know not God. It pleased God, which could have written across the sky, but it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And guess who he asked to do it? You and me, you and me. He could have asked the angels to do it, but no, he asked us to do it. Boy, we're a bunch of, we're a motley crew, I'll tell you what. We're, we're from all kinds, but brother, he said, this is, this is a, it's not the best he's got. It's the only thing he's got. You're it. He's got better, but he chose not to use it. He chose to use us to reach us. God is, God is outwardly calling the lost to himself. So God is inwardly by the conscience calling the lost to himself. God is outwardly by the spoken or written word 
calling the lost to himself. Thirdly, there's an upward call. Oh, this is one of my favorites, the upward call. That's the Holy Spirit of God confirming, explaining, convincing the hearer that what they're hearing is the Word of God, and it is true. It's going on right now. The upward call is the Holy Spirit in your mind and in your truck begin to whisper. It's like on your shoulder saying, that preacher, he's a crazy, he's a lunatic, but what he's saying is right. That preacher, for some reason, I've heard all kinds of, I've heard the Islamics, I've heard the Buddhists, I've heard this, I've heard that. But for some reason, when I hear this, this is true. It's God convincing you through the Holy Spirit that his word is being preached or it's true. The message is right. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up the last day. John 6, 44, Jesus' words. Of course, our text, I will make, uh, turn, I will pour out my spirit in you. I will make known my words to you. I call. God is calling. God is not willing any should perish. Consequently, he calls not only inwardly, outwardly, but upwardly by the blessed Holy Spirit. Oh, my, I like that. I like that. Now, the fourth call is maybe the hardest to preach. It's the downward call. The downward call. This is maybe the most sobering part of the message. Luke chapter 16, Jesus, if you want to turn there sometime, you want to remember, I, say, I, challenge, I, I encourage you to challenge everything I say. Look in the book to see if it's true. Here at the gospel, we preach the Bible, the whole Bible, nothing but the Bible, so help us God. If we're wrong, we want to know it. We're not preaching the philosophy of man. We're not preaching uh, some creed. Some we're, we're preaching the Bible. There was a man who died, a rich man who died, and a poor man who died. Jesus said one of them went to a place called paradise with Abraham, and one of them went to a place called hell. In picking the story up in verse 27, the rich man says to Abraham, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my, that is Lazarus, to my father's house. And this is this rich man which is in hell. Now, there's a lot of people out there who would like to say when you die, you cease to be conscious any longer, and your life's over, and you're like zip gone. But that's not true. Let me say it this way. If you're right and that is true, then I've lost nothing. But if I'm right and there is a life after death and you will have to be accountable to God, you're in big trouble. He says, For I have five brethren that he may testify that, that, that Lazarus, which they knew, was laid at the rich man's gate, which died. So had he been resurrected, his brethren evidently would have recognized him. Hey, that's Lazarus. He's been resurrected. That's a big miracle, right? It would be big to me. For I have five brethren that may testify to them, lest also he may testify to them, lest also they come into the, this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. That's the word of God. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And listen to the response in 16th chapter of Luke, verse 31. He says, 
He said to them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. I've had a lot of people through the years tell me if somebody came back from the dead, they'd be saved. If God would just manifest himself more clearly, they'd be saved. You know, that contradicts, those are the words of Jesus, too, and it's under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, folks. He said, basically, these words here, which are, which the uh, Holy Spirit is confirming, are more powerful than signs and wonders. These words spoken and preached and put in gospel tracts, written form and verbal form, are more powerful than signs and wonders. I mean, resurrection's a big sign. I don't know if you, I mean, I don't know of a bigger sign than if Pastor McKinney walked down this aisle right now. Brother, if old Pastor McKinney walked down this aisle, I bet he'd be a lot thinner. If old Jim McCullum walked down this aisle, I mean, it'd wow us, man. It'd wow us. But now it won't, if, if this won't wow you, that won't wow you. That's what Jesus said. I believe the most evangelistic people in the world are those in hell right, right now. Now that boy, that rich man, he's been in hell now almost 2,000 years. And I don't doubt that his five brethren followed him there. It does not have to be you does not have to be you. Those people in hell don't want to squabble over theology. Well, I was raised Methodist. I, I, I was raised up Presbyterian. Or I, I've gone to church and I'm Pentecostal. I don't think any of those people in hell are going to squabble over what brand or creed or whatever you have done. They're not going to squabble over. They're not going to argue over confrontational evangelism. They're for it. People in hell are for confrontational evangelism. They want me to come down that aisle if you're not saved, grab you by the neck, <laughs> choke you down, and say this is what it's going to be if you don't get saved. I mean, I, I guarantee you, if I was in hell and I had a brother up here, I'd say you go to him, you kick him in the head, you tell him whatever you got to do, but get that boy saved. There you go. Don't worry about insulting somebody's feelings. Those people in hell don't care whether you're Calvinistic, Arminian, Almoraldian, or whatever your label may be. They don't really care a whole lot about that. They want to know whether you know Christ your Savior. Have you, have you made preparation for your sins? Have you trusted God's Son? Do you believe he is the son of the living God? Do you believe he died, was buried, and rose again the third day? Do you? Have you repented and trusted Christ as your Savior? Whew. I wouldn't want to get out of this room without that. This is going to go over the Internet, all over the world, really. I hope you that are listening get saved right now. Wherever you're at, stop whatever's playing. And trust Jesus, your Savior. I'm a sinner unable to save myself by any amount of good works. I believe Jesus is the sole, only Savior that God the Father provided because he sealed it by his resurrection from the dead. 
And I now place whatever little bit of faith I have in Jesus Christ as my Savior. I repent of my sin. Please. And you don't have to say this, but I'm going to say it. Please save me. You know, it's been said a lot of different ways. The old thief on the cross said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. The publican that was in the temple beat his chest and said, wouldn't even look up to heaven and said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I believe people can get saved, a lot of different phraseology, but the heart has to come to the same place. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. God moved me to preach this this morning. Somebody is here that needs it. Some of you have heard this before. And by the way, you eat the same, you eat mac and cheese over and over again. This ain't bad to get this again. So what's the conclusion of the matter? If somebody goes to hell, they got to step over the inward call. That's God's conscience. They got to step. They got to step over the outward call. That's the spoken or written word. They have to step over the upward call. That's that still small voice called the Holy Spirit, which calls upon every person. Romans chapter one, read it. And then they have to step over the downward call. That's those in hell that are wishing they get saved. I believe the most evangelistic people in the in anywhere are in hell right now. Say, man, I hope these people, I hope my brothers get saved. I hope my sisters get saved. I hope my mom and dad get saved. I hope my family trusts Christ. Whatever you got to drop to get saved, drop it. Drop it. Drop it. But people will look at me different, drop it. you need to be saved. And man, if you're saved and not telling anybody else, you're one of the cruelest people I ever knew. Imagine somebody in R&R, that's research and development. Or, I mean, that's R&D, excuse me. You're, you're a smart group of people. So imagine somebody in R&D at a chemical company that's been in research and development for 25 years trying to figure out to cure a cancer, and wouldn't that be sweet? Wouldn't it be sweet, Doc, if you could just give a guy a little pill and say, you're done, your cancer's gone. Oh, I've seen cancer. I've seen what it does. Imagine if that old, you know, I, I can imagine a guy with glasses about thick as the bottom of a Coke bottle, you know, with a haircut with a part right down the middle, the nerd's nerd, really, I mean, you know, he's in the research and development, he's a super intellect, he's got this one area of, of knowledge, but he don't know how to shake hands, but he's got so much knowledge in this area, they put him in the room, shut the door, and say, hope he does something. And they get him in there, and he goes, and he says, I got it! I got it! And never tells another soul about it. You would be mad at him and you should be mad at him. You should be furious at him. You should be outraged at him. How dare he hold that away from so many suffering people? And how dare you, 
as a born-again believer from above and dwelled by the Holy Spirit, empowered by God, given every piece of equipment you need to succeed in preaching the gospel to every creature, how dare you or I hold this precious treasure to ourselves? Give it out. Sow the seed. I bought gas yesterday. I put it in the gas pump. I went to a grocery store yesterday. I put it all over the grocery store. I went to a restaurant yesterday. I left it in the bathroom. I tell people verbally as much as possible about Jesus. I want to do that. But brother, I want to just be a sower, sower, sower. Why? I'm grateful. Jesus saved me. And you know what? I want to be obedient. I don't want God mad at me. I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done. Ain't no better words ever to hear, period, brother. Some of you people are real close to hearing that. I hope you hear it. Father in heaven, thank you. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.